What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sports 360. I'm Jeff Fennell, and I'm here with Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing well, too. Uh, Coming off the Super Bowl, uh, which was just yesterday as we're recording this, and doing well. Doing well. Enjoyed the game. Um, Thought it was a well-played game. Did get some flags at the end. But for the most part, a well-played game. Not a lot of big plays, but it was close throughout. A lot of drama, especially at the end. So, yeah, I I, I enjoyed the game yesterday. And so, you know, doing good, man. Just thinking about the NFL season and how it ended. Yeah, man, the game the game itself was really good. Um, the playoffs in general were maybe one of the best that I've seen with the NFL in general, like overall my, in my lifetime. So I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, the performances from every team in these NFL playoffs. Um, yeah, man, great, great game. Great games throughout. Yeah, and for the Rams to pull it out at <clears throat> at the end the way they did, was with that drive that drive was special um you know i don't know what it was 15 plays and they kept the ball for i don't know five six minutes or whatever maybe longer but a really you know gutsy drive i mean it included you know a fourth and one you know where listen I got hats off to the Bengals defense, especially that front line, because yeah. the Rams could not get their running game going all day long. And so when it was fourth and one on that last drive, I'm thinking, what are they going to do? Right? Because throwing the ball when you don't have many weapons, and Stafford didn't have many weapons at that point after OBJ went down, is, is always a little bit of a gamble. And then the Bengals' run defense was stuffing the run all day long. And so that fourth and one, and who else makes the play but Cooper Cup, right? They send him in motion and hand off the ball to him, and he gets seven yards on a fourth and one. So that was some drive, Rob. Yeah, man. And Cooper Cup, I I don't even know what else to say about the guy. I mean, we already know the kind of season he had overall. But the the way he played in the playoffs, and especially towards the end of this game, incredible, man. Some of the catches he made, um, even some of the throws by Stafford, he did a no-look throw to Cooper um, in the middle of the field and all that. It was, my goodness, man. Great stuff. Great, great stuff by those two. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, I think that, um, you know, you got to give Cincinnati a lot of credit because they played really well. And, you know, I know that's your team. Joe Burrow's your guy. Um, And I do believe that that team grew up a lot in this postseason. You know what I mean? And they may be a a bigger force to be reckoned with going forward. Uh, Again, assuming that they keep, you know, certain people in place and all the rest of that, but um, they could really be, a tough team going forward. 
Yeah, and I know moral victories, especially like in a championship game like this, the Super Bowl, it's not really a, a thing that I would, you know, kind of throw out there. But like you said, their defense played a great game. Their run defense was lights out the entire game, all four quarters. Um, and they, they just continue. And even Joe Burrow, he played really well. And for a long time in this game, you could say that he was the better quarterback. Um, but, you know, just at the end, Stafford did what Stafford has done for a long time, even dating back to his time in Detroit, which is coming through in the fourth quarter with comebacks and, and clutch plays after clutch play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was interesting, Rob, because for most of the game, the Cincinnati offensive line did a really good job of protecting Burrow. And then the Rams took it up a notch. And I think a big part of it was that play on the sidelines when mm. Burrow was scrambling and Aaron Donald pushed him out of bounds. And when he pushed, when Aaron Donald pushed Burrow, Burrow was still in the field of play. So it wasn't a dirty play. It yeah. wasn't like he was out of bounds and he pushed him. And, you know, Aaron Donald's a big man. So when he pushed him, Burrow went flying. <laughs> and, you know, a couple of Cincinnati offensive linemen did what you would expect. They came over to protect their quarterback. And, you know, they they pushed Aaron Donald. They mushed him in the face a little bit. And, Rob, from that point on, that was Aaron Donald's game. They woke and him up. I don't know. Yeah, that's what it looked like, <laughs> didn't it? Because from that point on, it, it, it was his game. And the Rams overall got more pressure on him, on, on, on Burrow, and were able to make more plays, and yeah. um, including sacking him a number yeah, of times. And, and seven sacks, seven sacks. And and credit to Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator, because he put together these crazy schemes to either load up one the right side of the of the line or the left side and really get pressure going. Because there were times Aaron Donald was triple teamed, and, and they still couldn't stop him because they overloaded on one side of the of the offensive line. So credit to the to the defensive coach there for you know seeing that and making adjustments throughout the game as well. Yeah, you're right, because there were times when Donald was triple-teamed. I mean, triple-teamed. That's and, <laughs> But he just keeps coming. He just keeps coming. He's relentless. And even at the end of the game, obviously making the big plays. Um, OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, got hurt in the second quarter. He scored the first touchdown of the game on a great throw and a great catch. Uh, he actually ran a really good route to put the Rams up 7 nothing. Uh, had another catch, and he had 50-some-odd you know, yards. And then he just went down, no contact, and the reports today was that he tore his ACL in his knee. I felt for him, man. You know, um, first for him. And then also for the Rams, because it made the game a lot harder for the Rams, which really highlights what a terrific job the Rams did in winning this game. But I really felt for OBJ, man, after all he's been through. Yeah, same here. As soon as I saw it, it was, it was no contact injury. I looked over to my wife and I was like, 
and he's he's out for the game. Just because you know you you've seen it so many times these non-contact injuries, and you already know it's something really bad, especially the way he went down. Um, but you, you feel for him because, like you said, he's been through a lot. And adding to that, I kind of like in my head the media has created this guy being a like a problem for teams. And I took my own deep dive into you know his quote-unquote issues. And the dude is is not having any issues. You know, it's just, you know, the situation with Cleveland, they blamed him for it. He leaves Cleveland, goes to L.A., and shines. So it wasn't him in Cleveland. I don't think he was the issue with New York either, with the Giants. So, you know, it was great to see him score that first touchdown and kind of get that, you know, feel that relief. Like, yeah, I'm here. I'm here where I need to be, where I want to be. And it was sad to see him go down, but I'm happy that um, he got his ring. Sure did. Sure did. And he contributed to that team while he was there. Um, had five touchdowns for them during the season. And he he was a key part. And you saw it. You know, it, it became really tough for the Rams after he went down to, to move the ball. Um, and so, you know, but it was a, it, you know, that first half, you know, to Cincinnati's credit, when the Rams, the Rams went up 13-3 after they botched the extra point on their second touchdown. And I thought to myself, oh boy, because the Rams were looking really good right there. At that point, they looked like the better team. They they were moving the ball, you know, pretty effectively. And Cincinnati hadn't done much to that point. But what was interesting, Rob, was on the next drive, Cincinnati got it going. They ended up scoring a touchdown, but it was the running game that got them going. They started getting yeah. some nice runs on the ground. That opened it up for Burrow to then, you know, you know, get 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 a few passes in there. And their touchdown actually came on a pass from Mixon, right? Uh, not from <laughs> Burrow. Uh, but I thought their their running game uh really got them going and allowed them to get back in that game. Yeah, and that did help a little bit. Um, obviously, the offensive line, they did play well to a degree. But then, you know, the seven sacks and all that stuff. But the running game really had to get going in order to keep them in the game. And I think we spoke about that last week. Um, I would have liked to see more, maybe some screen plays and something like that, just to kind of free up the space and allow Burrow to throw it down the field more. Maybe that would have changed the game. Maybe not. Um, but, yeah, the running game did a pretty decent job of kind of keeping the lanes open um, throughout the game. So that was good for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, you go into the half, it's 13 to 10, and then like, wow, you know, this is a close game. Uh, OBJ was, at that point, we didn't know for sure. They didn't confirm that he was not going to return. But as you said, you know, you watch enough sports and you see a non-contact injury like that and you think, okay, something's wrong structurally, you know, yeah. in the knee, the ankle, whatever it was that made the player go down. So you kind of knew that OBJ wasn't coming back. It was 13-10 at the half. Um, so let's, let's talk about halftime because there's been a whole lot of talk <laughs> about the halftime show. What was your take on on the halftime show with, uh, you know, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, Mary J, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar? 
50 cent man <laughs> what, what what was your take on that <laughs> it made me feel it, it brought me back man it really did i think a lot of those songs obviously before me before my time and then i was in middle school i believe when 50 cent came out with his song i think it was middle school but it brought me back man you know it's hip-hop is just something it's everywhere you know and people can deny it if they want but hip-hop is everywhere it's influenced so much um in sports you know in culture in life in everything and to see those guys come together and everyone come together and put on this kind of performance man i just wish it was a longer performance that's my only complaint there i wish it was a much longer performance i would have loved to see some more eminem i'm a big fan of eminem um man but wow great great halftime show man so good super nostalgic that's that's the best word to that i can describe it with yeah and i think a lot of people felt the same way um look for me you know mary j dr dre and snoop i relate more to because i probably listened to them more than you know to the other artists that performed um and so, yeah, I thought it was a, a, a good show. Uh, it seemed that it ended really quickly. Um, and maybe that's because there were multiple acts. If it was one person, then they probably, you know, who performing, you know, that probably would have been six or seven songs or something. Or You know what I mean? You would have got said, OK, yeah. they had a nice set. But it did seem like it ended really quickly. But, man, it was well received. I, you know, I went on social media. Uh, on Twitter, um, right after the halftime show ended, man, and it was like people were like, "Oh my God, this, that, and the other." <laughs> I mean, folk were really excited. Um, and but the thing that I got a kick out of, when people were talking about Fifty Cent, and they were like, "Man, Fifty Cent looked like a full dollar." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah, homeboy. <laughs> he did pack on a few, you know what I mean? Yeah. That white beater boy was like, woof, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> he probably should have put on a t-shirt or something. <laughs> but he did look like dollar dollar bill, y'all. Cause he yeah. yeah, he he was big boy. He's big anyway. But yeah. But um overall I thought the show was good. What did you think about your boy? Um the kicker, Mc mcpherson staying out there you know what good for him because what I, I wonder you know you go into halftime everyone's huddled up talking what are you going to go over with the kicker you know the wide receivers yeah you game plan you got to make adjustments same with the defense same with joe burrow the quarterback all that stuff what are you going to tell the kicker so he's probably thinking the same thing what are they going to tell me all i got to do is kick the ball i'm good he's super confident I don't know who's more confident, him or Joe Burrow, honestly. So <laughs> I'm cool with him being out there and just enjoying the show. Um, I would have probably done the same thing if I was the kicker too. Yeah, I mean, for me, I didn't have a problem with it either, you know. And I and I thought that it was, it, it was just in keeping with who he is. You know what I mean? Like he, I, I think he's almost like he's just a regular guy who's a football yeah. player, you know what I mean? And so he's like, yo, I like these folk. I'm, I'm watching this. Shoot. Y'all go in there and game plan. I'm watching this. Yeah. 
And um, he stayed out there and watched it. I just thought that was pretty cool, you know. And then, you know, second half, the Bengals score right away, 75-yard touchdown on what should have been an offensive interference. It should have been offensive interference on that play, Rob. 100%. He grabbed him. He twisted yeah. his whole head around, 360, yeah. everything. Through Jalen was... Ramsey on the ground. Was that yeah. Higgins who did that? <laughs> I believe so, yeah. T. Higgins. So – he, you know, he got away with one. Um, and then, you know, what, maybe the first play after, you know, um, the Rams get the ball back, Stafford throws a ball to Skoranek, and it goes off his hand. It's an interception. The Rams defense did hold, and then McPherson comes on and hits the field goal. So I said, okay, well. Staying out there at halftime didn't affect him any, so, nah. you know. <laughs> but now all of a sudden, man, you know, it was it, it, it was 20 to 13, and um, it seemed at that point, you, you texted me and you said, uh-oh, you know what I mean? Because it just seemed at that point that Cincinnati might take over that game because now we knew that yeah. OBJ was not coming back. Yeah, and, and you just um, kind of, you kind of just felt the energy with Cincinnati, where, where they've been a very great second-half team, especially throughout these playoffs. So at that point, you kind of felt it. It was like, here we go again. They're about to do it again. And it sure seemed that way, you know. I mean, you know, the Rams did get a field goal, make it 2016. But I'm telling you, man, I go back to that play in the sideline when Aaron Donald pushed – you know, burrow out and they got into a little bit of a scrum with the offensive line. Um, Aaron Donald woke up from that point on, man. And after that, the Rams defense, oof, oof, they got, they stiffened, man. And Aaron Donald was right in the middle of it. And the great thing about Aaron Donald is there are so many things that will never show up on a stat sheet that he does and that he influences. Like even just, what we were talking about earlier, a double team or triple team on him, that frees up um, the linebackers. That frees up Von Miller. That frees up, I forget the other linebacker's name. I think his last name is Jones. Freed him up to be able to rush. It just does so much having him shifting between the right and the left side, jumping around on the line, because you have to put so much focus on him. It's just, it's incredible, man. Yeah, and they showed that yesterday too, man. We're like, even sometimes just the angle that he yeah. takes toward the center will change things in the interior of the line and open up things for some of the other, you know, either the linemen or the linebackers, and, and they can come in and get the sack. So he doesn't get it, but he influences it. And, man, he he was tough, but, you know, Again, man, that last drive, just coming back to that last drive, though, Rob, I mean, Stafford, look, he was in Detroit. So I can't tell you I watched a whole lot of Matthew Stafford. I didn't. I saw him, and he always seemed to me to be a guy who was good but somehow didn't get over the hump. You know what I mean? Like somehow they would always lose and, and, and all the rest of it. So. You know, but obviously new team, new system, new talent, great season, right? He had a great season here, there on the Super Bowl. 
But man, that last drive is the stuff legends are made of. And he took them down the field and he took them down the field handicapped because of the lack of weapons that they had. And man, again, it was a remarkable drive. And, you know, I think, you know, Stafford made some good throws. Cooper Cup, you know what I heard today, man? That in the fourth quarter yesterday, Stafford to Cup was four for four. And they said throughout the playoffs in the fourth quarter, Stafford to Cup was 12 for 12. Wow. Yeah. That's (laughs) talk about a connection. Wow. And you talk about coming up big time, right? Yeah. In the fourth quarter, over the course of the entire playoffs, 12 for 12 between those two. So, you know, um, that's just clutch, man. You know, and, you know, Cooper Cup, you thought he had had scored the the go-ahead touchdown earlier, but then it was negated by penalties on both teams. And then, you know, um, they got another chance and, and, and that, that was a nice throw, nice little route. You know, he created enough space and, um, for that winning, for the winning touchdown. So, um, those guys were just clutch. They they were clutch. And I don't know how Cooper cup catches some of these balls, man. Like the way he, the creates the separation or sometimes it's just wide open. It's just, it baffles me because I know it's not like the defense missed a, missed a read or something like that. He just finds a way to get open and Stafford knows it. It's like, he knows my guy's going to be open. I'm going to toss it there and he'll be there. It's the trust. The It's just the connection they have. It's, it's amazing. And like you said, 12 for 12, that's, <laughs> that's wild, man. Yeah. You know, it, Cooper Cup reminds me, and, and he's better than this guy, so don't get me wrong, but he reminds me of Cole Beasley. He reminds me mm-hmm. of, like, Edelman. You know, those 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 smallish or smaller receivers yeah. who just run really good routes. And I think he runs really good routes. And yeah. he's more athletic than you think he is. He's faster than you think he is. <laughs> he's stronger than you than he than he than you might think he is um and he really runs good routes and i think that's why he gets open i remember the game against tampa <laughs> when oh, we were boy. talking about the game afterwards <laughs> and you said how did he get that open yeah. <laughs> and i think there are a lot of people throughout the nfl who said that so many times this year? How did he get that open? <laughs> Wide open, man. Wide open. It's so, crazy. And now he has a guy who can get the ball to him that deep. That's the other thing. That's the other thing. And I think that's the biggest difference. I mean, there was a time there where Goff seemed like he was the guy, but then he it became clear that he wasn't. And, you know, it just really shows how much of a team game football is. You you, mm-hmm. you need all the pieces, man. You need all the pieces. Yeah, and, you definitely uh, do. Stafford made the difference. There was some talk today about whether Cup should have been the MVP or whether it should go to Stafford or to Donald. Uh, you have any problems with Cup being named Super Bowl MVP? Um, 
I really don't have any issue with it. Um, Preference-wise, maybe I would have given it to Donald um, just based off just give him the award, add to his legacy, add to his, the legend that is Aaron Donald. Um, Stafford played a really nice game. He had the two interceptions, but one of them wasn't even his fault. Um, but I have no issue with Cup. I would have preferred Donald. Yeah. I I think you could make a case for for any of those three, but I do think Cup deserved it only because I think that his contributions were more meaningful. I mean, look, obviously it's hard to take the quarterback out of the mix because the quarterback's involved in every offensive play. Um, But, you know, given that Cooper Cup essentially was the only wide receiver threat out there, he had to come through. Yes, Matthew Stafford has to get him the ball, but Cup has to be in a position to get the ball, meaning he has to create separation. He yeah. has to get open. He has to battle double teams and, and things of that sort. And he did that. And I look at it and I go, they do not win that game if he doesn't play exactly the way he played. Yeah. Right. Um but, you know, either way, I mean, Aaron Donald, like we were talking about, he, after he got mushed in the face on the sideline, he really, you know, put his imprint on that game defensively. But it was after he did that, you know what I mean? And, you know, after that happened. But, you know, I I don't have a problem. If Aaron Donald was named MVP, I wouldn't think it was an outrage. You know what I mean? Because he was that, he played that much of an important role too. Um, but I thought Cooper Cup, man, you know, when you score the game winning touchdown, you know what I mean? And yeah, that's it wasn't different. your only catch either. You know what I'm saying? Like he was he was the man on offense for that team. And um so good for him. Good for him. Um McVay, thirty six years old, he wins the Super Bowl. Um Zach Taylor, I didn't even know he was like 38. I didn't know he was right there, you know. He's he's a young and too. Um man, you see these young these young uh head coaches, man, you know, taking over the league, but I I'm glad for McVay. I know a lot of people don't like McVay. I like him. I like him because he is brash, he is confident. He's probably maybe a little bit too passionate for some people, but I like him and I was happy for him too. Yeah, I think he brought he brings a different energy to the game in general, and maybe that's why people don't like it because he's a little bit different than what we are accustomed to seeing. You know, the Bill Belichick's of the world, Andy Reid's, all that stuff. He just brings a different wrinkle to it. Um, he is heavy on analytics and stuff like that, so maybe that's another reason. But I have no issue with McVay, man. The dude is, is a really smart guy. He knows exactly what he's doing out there. I think he was hired. 30 years old, which is a year younger than me. So I don't know what I'm doing with my life, but I should be coaching somewhere too, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> well, how old is your son? He's four. All right. Well, when he's five, I guess he can probably play something and then you can go out there, there and go. be the coach, man. Yeah. You know, and go out I there have, and... Are you I have my be analytics of, too. Are you going to be one of those, those, those dad coaches who, you know, act like they're 
coaching in the pros and stuff and be all over the top and yelling at the kids and thinking you're on TV and stuff. You gonna you gonna act like that? Listen, you play to win the game, Jeff. Oh my gosh. You play to win the game. Whatever it takes. Do me a favor. Don't coach (laughs) whatever whatever sport your son ends up playing, don't coach his team. Do me a favor, because if you talk about you play to win the game, oh man, that's what's Listen. the problem with youth coaching now. <laughs> they may not keep score, but I do. Oh my gosh! Okay. <laughs> you know, I think there's some people who listen to this podcast who, before this, liked you. I'm yeah. gonna cut. I'm, we're, <laughs> we're gonna change the subject. Because <laughs> you're ruining your reputation, man. <laughs> You are ruining your reputation. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, hey, man. Um, I know I'd asked you offline, and you said that you really didn't get a chance to watch, um, you know, many of the Super Bowl ads. You know, I was watching them because, you know, sometimes the commercials are pretty, you know, this, some classic commercials have come out of Super Bowls uh, in the past. I didn't think anything yesterday uh, that I saw anyway came close to that. <laughs> but the one, I don't know if you saw it at all, but the Doritos commercial where the animals started like <laughs> singing yeah, salt I and saw pepper. That one. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> that was a good one. That yeah, was a good I thought, one. I thought that was funny. And I thought that um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Salma Hayek, um, who retired as gods. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Arnold Schwarzenegger was so mad because <laughs> he was Zeus and he could he could power things. And everybody kept saying they needed power here, power there. And he just <laughs> was so mad. And then she bought him an electric car. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, you know, there was a couple of others, but nothing that really said to me, wow, that was a great commercial. Oh, except for one thing, the NFL commercial where they had like those, like those claymation um, football oh, players. Yeah. That one that was, was really good. Yes. That one was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a really good commercial. I like that one a lot, especially that baby that was like, like Reggie white. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was pretty good. But other than that, um, you know, it was nothing that really caught my attention as far as that goes. So um are you are you one of these guys like we see in the articles that talk about the far too early odds for the next season? You ever see that, right? Yeah. No sooner that than someone wins a championship that someone is writing about the odds of who's going to win next year. First of all, especially with football, you know, free agents, and then they don't have to be the top name guys who, you know, leave a team or come to a team. The roster composition in football makes, it's so important. You know what I mean? And, you could pick up a piece, you could pick up an offensive lineman that you never heard of before, and he makes a difference. You can pick up a defensive lineman 
who's never been an all pro, but folk around the league know this guy is a run stopper or he gets after the quarterback or whatever, and he can make a difference. And so to me, you can't do it in football. You got to let, in my opinion, you got to let, you got to let, you know, teams be built and everything else. And teams are always losing players in free agency. And you don't know if they're going to be able to replace them. Yeah. It's like you said, it's so different in football that you can't even, I don't think there's been a repeat champion since the Patriots, if I'm not mistaken, back years ago now. So to kind of, put out the odds and stuff like even you can look at the Bengals and say oh you know they can make it next year they just got to get the offensive line in order but let's not pretend like there's the you know the Chiefs aren't out there still and they could improve the Bills could improve and those are two juggernaut teams you know what I mean I think the Bengals lost eight games if I'm not mistaken this season Uh, maybe about eight games I think if I'm not mistaken yeah Mm -hmm. including yesterday Yep. So give or take, you lose another game or two. Now you're not in the playoffs, you know, depending on how your division looks. So anything can happen in football. And we saw it yesterday with OBJ, you know, an injury can completely change the landscape of your team. A hundred percent. So, you know, I don't pay too much attention to the odds makers when they're looking a whole year ahead when the Super Bowl just ended two minutes ago. Rob, I remember when Dan Marino took the Dolphins to the Super Bowl. It might have been his first, second, or third year. It was very early in his career. And I, I, I forget who, I, I think of 49ers maybe, the, whoever it was, blew out the Dolphins, blew them out. And I remember the announcer saying, Dan Marino will be back here. Hmm. Because he was so talented. It was so obviously, you know, obvious that he was talented. The Dolphins, you know, were in the Super Bowl. And the announcer wasn't saying he was going to be back next year, but he was saying Dan Marino is going to be back in the Super Bowl. So, you know, don't feel sorry for him that he got blown out today. Dan Marino never made it back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and made it to the Super Bowl really young, but never got back there again. You just never know. You just never know. And so, yeah, so these, these, way too early predictions are exactly that. And every time I see the headline, I just, I I refuse to read it because it's such nonsense to me. It's such nonsense. I'm the same way, man. Same way. I did see an article today though, that said midway through the fourth quarter, the Rams had only a 19% chance to win the game. And I reposted that article and I said, this is the problem with analytics, <laughs> right? Because it talks about win probability. And it said at the midway point of the fourth quarter, the Rams only had a 19% chance of, of, uh, of, of, of winning the game. So I said, well, that means, you know, they had a 71% chance of losing the game. Right. And, yeah. you know, but what happened? And and see, to me, that's the problem with analytics. It doesn't take in enough of the human element, right? The desire of an Aaron Donald. It doesn't take into account the skill and, and, and the separation ability of a Cooper Cup or the effort that's going to go into it or the, the determination. You know, it doesn't take into the fact that somebody might choke. 
that somebody might trip on a shoelace, right? Bad luck. You know what I mean? It doesn't. It, so that's why I don't like analytics when it becomes the driver. I think analytics should be part of the equation. That's it. But it seems to me that those who really love analytics want it to be the way you make decisions. And I think when you see stats like this that say, oh, you only have a 19% chance of winning, but then you end up winning. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, okay, so why should I listen to your analytics then? Because apparently it didn't measure certain things properly because the Rams ended up winning the game. Yeah, and I've been saying that for years, man. I 100% agree with everything you just said. I've always said analytics, sure, they have a place in sports. They have a place in the game, but they cannot be the be-all, end-all to decision-making. It just You can't do that. No matter if it's baseball, basketball, football, whatever sport it is, you cannot have analytics be the deciding factor of what your next move is going to be. Um, there's just too much of a human element. Like you said, you know, Aaron Donald getting mushed in the face, that woke up a sleeping giant, and that man's heart took over that game. You can't – there's no stat to measure that. There's no numbers to measure that. No math can measure the type of impact that Aaron Donald has when he's that motivated and that ready. Like that last drive, he sprinted out to the field to take over, yeah. and, he, and that was on him. He said, this is it. Like, nothing's getting by me, period. And analytics can't measure that or predict that at all. They can't predict him grabbing an offensive lineman with one hand and then the running back with the other hand and pulling them back. <laughs> There's no right. stat for that. Nothing, right. man. Analytics, it, there's a part of it that has to be in sports, and I get it, and I'm all for that, but it can't be the deciding factor. Totally agree. Totally agree. Well, before we get on up out of here, um, I got a call this afternoon from a good friend of mine, former major leaguer, Phil Bradley. And he that's listens my to too. the podcast. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. Yeah, he <laughs> listened to you too. And I don't know what he's going to think about after he hears about your coaching philosophy. Um, but, you know, I'll let him deal with you on that. But he <laughs> called me and he wanted to know, did I have, did I keep my football pre prediction credentials because I had said the Rams are going to win 37 to 16. And he said, do you, are you going to keep your credentials? I said, the Rams won, didn't they? And he said, yeah, <laughs> but it was nowhere near. <laughs> it was nowhere near what you predicted. I said, a win is a win. <laughs> so he was trying to get me back on the pickleball court, man. Man. <laughs> So, now, uh -huh. listen, you, you, you re-earned it. It's yours to keep. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, sometime, man, you know, and this is my friend. And he trying to get me back on the pickleball court. But, man. Uh, you know, um, but then he also asked me, he said, well, since you got the Super Bowl, he said, did you beat Rob in your competition or did Rob? Win? I said, no, Rob still won. Rob still won, but I'm not on the pickleball court, and that's all I care about right yeah. about now. So, <laughs> so there you have it. Yeah. So, um, all right, brother. Well, listen, a great end to the NFL season. Um, 
you know, all the way around, including the halftime show, everything, you know, NFL has to be really pleased with how the postseason went uh, and congratulations to the Rams. And um, we'll, we're going to come back, man. I think, you know, there's a lot going on next, next week is the NBA all-star game. And there's been a lot of big trades. Harden hasn't played for the Sixers yet. Simmons hasn't played for the Nets yet, who, as we speak, have lost 11 in a row. And Ooh. as a Knicks fan, I couldn't be happier that the Nets are struggling. And But we want to talk right. about the Nets because I'm telling you, the Nets are in trouble. And we can talk about that the next time we get together. But the Nets are in trouble. Um, yes, they are. But, but we'll talk about NBA and everything else anything else that's coming down the pike but um let's get back together again next week and and we'll do it one more time sounds good man hey don't cancel me i'm a good coach i promise i don't yell at kids i'm keep (laughs) i'm I'm keeping my eye on you I'm, i'm i'm going to send some spotters up to your neck of the woods and just <laughs> just make sure you ain't abusing them, 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 them little kids and <laughs> going home crying <laughs> coach rob told me i had to do 25 push-ups <laughs> <laughs> man i gotta keep my eye on you bro <laughs> man <laughs> all right man well uh, you be good and um i'll catch you next time Sounds good, brother. Take care.